This is Nursing in America. Each week we speak with incredible nurses who have taken the leap to start a new life in the United States. If you're thinking about doing the same, then this is the place you'll find all the insider knowledge and inspirational success stories to realize your own American dream. This is the second part of a two-part episode, so make sure you go back and listen to part one first. Blair, maybe you can take this question. If we're moving now into the survival mode, mm-hmm. and we are now in the U.S., we are um, getting um, getting settled, and there are going to be some setup costs. How do you? How, what? How can a new immigrant get a credit card in the U.S. Oh. An American credit card? It's important to, and this is a topic that I'm extremely passionate about. If you watch the credit scoring one, you know, but um, find a financial institution that has a program specifically designed for people in your situation. Um, Don't fall into the American marketing trap of um, what credit cards are meant or not meant to be. A lot of these institutions and a lot of these credit card companies have huge marketing budgets and they make all the promises in the world of having the best card, the best interest rate, and um, you're slapped with annual fees and things that put you in a hole for having just to have a credit card. You may not use it like Marie, but you may have to pay a $100 annual fee just to obtain it. So do your research. Um, get with your onboarding specialist, find a financial institution that has a program. For example, we have a program specifically designed for people in your situation and you are um, without any established credit. You come, you provide your documentation and we provide you with um, a savings account, a checking account and a credit card with a $2,500 limit. Um, From there, you can start establishing credit and you have that backup or emergency or in some cases that primary fund um, for payment. So make sure you do your research. Make sure you find a financial institution that has that program um, and don't fall for, again, the good old American marketing trap that is banking. Yeah, it really is a trap. Um, And if you don't know what you're getting into, it can be really very, very... um, not good. Let's put it that way. And um, Adina, in terms of credit cards, any other advice that you have uh, for for any nurse coming into the U.S. when they are in that arrival and survival phase? Yeah, definitely. I just wanted to add about why it's important to start building credit. It sounds like you already covered that, but for anyone who wasn't in the last show, um, you know, credit is important to build for later things that you're going to want to do that can help you build wealth. So for example, if you want to buy property, if you want to buy a home and take out a mortgage loan to do that, you need to have some kind of credit history to do that. Or let's say if you started a business on the side or your your spouse starts a business or something, um, in order to take out a business loan, you'll need to have some kind of credit history in the US. And then it can come up in other ways, like sometimes a landlord or a job will want to see your credit history. Um, So this is something that a lot of new immigrants think they're not allowed to do. But um, as Blair was saying, you, you, with no credit history, you can, you can start with something that will help you build it. I know a lot of um, banks and credit card companies will have what's called secured credit card or starter credit card. 
that as Blair was saying is meant for people who have no credit history. Uh, they kind of work like a debit card where um, you'll put up a small amount of cash sort of, um, and then they let you borrow against that to help basically prove you're trustworthy with paying back the credit. And then once you have a period of doing that responsibly, they will raise your credit limit and turn it into a real credit card. So that's what my husband did when he immigrated here. He had never had a credit card in his life. In Ecuador, people don't really use credit cards that much in his community. Um, and so he was able to get started and now he has a better credit history than I do. Because the other piece that's important is paying it on time. Um, thankfully, I learned that early, you know, growing up. So I've always paid my credit card in time. But he was so nervous about it being someone new to credit that he would go and pay his credit card every time he purchased something and just like treat it like cash. And that's a great way to think about a credit card. So as long as you're living within your means, you're spending less than what you earn and paying off your credit card in full every month, you will never have credit card debt. And it's actually a very, very simple way to avoid it. But a lot of people, a lot of immigrants just don't know that, or a lot of people are told actually incorrect things about credit cards. I've talked to a lot of people who, who have been taught um, and told by their family and friends that you're supposed to only pay the minimum payment, <laughs> which is what leads to credit card debt and you having to pay interest. So that's the opposite of what you want to do. Yeah. So, and, and I think that's very common, Job and Marie, I'm sure you would agree for many Filipino nurses, they're not used to credit cards, correct? Yeah. Yes. Uh, it's cashless here. Well, uh, in the Philippines, you really have to have cash. <laughs> yeah. So that's yeah. something new if you're uh, an immigrant here from the Philippines. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of a different mindset and something that you've got to get used to. So we're moving now to the, the survival stage. Is it advisable to buy a brand new car during the arrival phase? will be working in New Jersey as a home care nurse. So a car is really required for us. Or is it better to get a good secondhand car during the arrival phase while building your credit score? To everyone on the panel, what, what is your advice? Don't get a new one. <laughs> I can, um, I can. Oh. Yeah, go so, ahead, Mr. Oh, okay, so when you buy a new car, the second you drive out of the lot, it decreases significantly in value because the, it, there's just a huge extra cost for the fact that it's new, but you can buy the exact same car that's like a year used that has very few miles on it, um, just pretty much the same in quality. You know, you can get some kind of certification to ensure that all the parts are good and it will be thousands and thousands of dollars less. So I really recommend getting a used car. Blair, Marie, your thoughts? Uh, certified pre-owned is probably the way to go. Um, from my position, um, we we do have a program, um, auto buying. We and we the first Lafora talk show I ever did was on that one. Um, but you're you're guaranteed a certain amount. Um, I think it's twenty five thousand dollars, and that is to purchase your vehicle. So you're purchasing within your means of what we know that you're able to pay back. Um, without having that credit obligation right off the bat and you have um, a set interest rate um, and all of your coworkers who apply for the program have the same thing. So like I said, I keep saying it till I'm blue in the face, but find a financial institution or a lender that has a program specifically designed for you and don't um, fall trapped to a 
American consumer consumerism. It's 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 designed to do that to people, um, but make sure that you're getting the most out of your option because there are options. You're not having to go buy a vehicle with the money in your pocket. You know, you are able to finance that with very limited U.S. banking history and limited credit um, with the programs that are available to you. And there's so many resources, tons. Yeah. And that's, again, why we do this show, because I think for many nurses, they don't even know where the res- where to find these resources. It's just so limited if you kind of Google it on the Internet. And when nurses arrive here also, it's just so overwhelming. There's so mm-hmm. much change. I mean, Maria and Job, I'm sure you can attest to that, that, you know, it's you're not just dealing with budgets yeah. and your money. There's just so much change. You have to learn a new job. You have to learn a new city. You have to get your driver's license. You've got to settle your family, the kids, right. the spouse has got to find a job. It's just, it's a lot. So, you know, there's a, there's a lot to contend with. And that's why it's important to educate yourself as much as possible before you even arrive here. And we have a question. For example, I opened an account with Advanced Shield Credit Union. There you go, Blair. On the day of my U.S. arrival, how long am I going to receive the credit card? Um, it should be 7 to 14 days. Um, if you haven't received it and it's been longer than that, find my information and get with me and we'll figure out what's going on. But it for certain should be 7 to 14 days. Okay, good. So that will be really helpful for people if they haven't got family like Marie or Job. Um, that are there for them, and at least gives you peace of mind that you've got that backup, uh, especially in that in that first phase where, before you get your first paycheck. Okay, so let's we're going to put up a graphic now about the survival stage and all the expenses that we can expect. So we've spoken a little bit about this. So you might have to put down a deposit, your first month's rent. You might have to get a cell phone and a plan payment. You might have to get up utility, uh, set up your utilities and monthly payments. You have to set up your Wi-Fi when you move into your new place. You might, you're going to have to buy furniture, groceries, just general household items, and also transportation, which we've touched on. Marie and Job, can you tell us, were you expecting all these expenses? Was there anything else that's not on this graphic that you experienced that was a surprise? Yeah, this, these yeah. are great graphics for expenses to expect in the U.S. And in my experience, this is 100% correct. And I have fully experienced this. Okay. And in my part, I, I made it very cheap for me because when I, uh, when I chose the apartment, I chose the apartment that is closest to my workplace so I don't have to buy a car and you know spend on transportation for the first first for three years in my life i have like less than 100 dollars for transportation because i just walked going to my uh, workplace okay. and for furniture um i bought the cheapest furniture at donation uh you know donation warehouse so it's a good deal for me okay okay so so that's a good idea like a donation warehouse and there are lots of those kind of resources available to get more reasonable furniture and um, Marie, what about you? Are there any expenses here that you didn't expect that were a surprise? Um, yes, uh, like setting up your Wi-Fi and then your cell phone because communication here is uh, really of great importance. So like when I went to a cell phone store and then I was I, w- I really didn't expect to uh, get a plan because I know I couldn't because I don't have my social security and everything. I was just trying to ask for a pre prepaid plan 
but then I said, no, you couldn't do this. You couldn't, it's just limited. So like, I really didn't expect that uh, having a cell phone here or a plan for the phone is uh, could be that difficult when you're new. And um, same thing with the uh, Wi-Fi and uh, getting a transportation. So in my, within two weeks, I got my new car. I agreed with Blair and Adina. I got a certified pre-owned because I've been searching. Like you don't have to buy immediately; you have to search. Uh, that's one good tip that I can give. So later, that oh, I bought the brand new car with this much dollars compared to having a certified pre-owned car that you really could get a lesser uh, lesser amount. You don't have to bury yourself with a monthly uh, uh, payment for your car. So getting a certified pre-owned car for a newbie like me on a survival uh, stage is uh, one best tip that I can give. And then for cell phone, you I have to they offer like you have to get this plan with this insurance with this freebie with this freebie. I mean like hello, okay, I'm good with this. Uh, only this. So you have to stick with uh, within your limit, and then uh, because if you get this and this and this free piece, it's all on the bill. Come next month, come next payday, so, and you'll be surprised. Wow! So yeah, you really have to take note of everything here. You don't have to buy immediately. Search, do your research, and then make a list and compare and contrast whatever uh, pros and cons that you get. Uh, go for it. So. Uh, weigh everything before you get something from here because even for a car you say yeah i got a brand new nice car but then look the cost for a newbie yeah. like me uh, i would rather have a pre-owned certified car which is less mileage and then uh, paying paying just a, a minimal amount compared to buying a brand new car with this so i could i could use the dollars for other expenses yeah so really being planning and and living within your means being the key adina and blair what are yes. ways yes. for nurses to plan for these setup costs financially yeah i think it really goes back to to that budget and, and what we've been talking about and being having that time you do every month just to be mindful about what you want to spend in each category figure out what those categories are you know um and and just knowing you're gonna have a lot of time where you can spend more in the future this is just to get you sustainable and uh, on your feet and you'll have plenty of time to be able to to spend things that make you happy and be able to buy gifts for family yeah exactly okay so so that's really important to know Blay, anything to add to that also identify the ways um identify the money that you can save on. So a lot of things you can rate shop, you can price shop. Um, if you can find an apartment with utilities included in the rent, or if you can find a furnished apartment, that takes away a lot of that burden. Um, any type of auto health renter's insurance, those are um, shoppable. So you can find, you know, lower prices and competitors, even utilities. In some cases, those are shoppable too with cable and internet and, electric, gas, water, um, transportation, again, you know, auto loans, rates, um, use uh, Gas Buddy and find the cheapest prices for gas. 
Um, if you have any tolls, make sure you get a toll ticket if that's possible. Um, and then the same for housing. Um, do what you can to shop. Take advantage of programs that exist uh, for people in your situation. Okay. All right. So very important uh, information there. How much is too much or just enough for a typically healthy and never been hospitalized? As you know, you can't avoid accidents. That's my concern, which is the best. So this is just kind of more about the health insurance. Anybody want to answer that question? From experience um, in a prior position, health insurance, uh, one size does not fit all. Um, some policies, you know, have exemptions for pre-existing conditions. There's deductibles, there's low deductibles, there's high deductibles. Um, if your employer offers insurance, take advantage of it. If they don't, um, find um, an agency that represents different companies and allow them to shop that for you. That way you get the best coverage for what you can afford. Um, health insurance is not something that you want to skimp on. Um, so make sure that you have an affordable deductible. If you do have to go to a provider or an urgent care, use doctors within your network. Um, but also make sure, you know, there are supplemental coverages for a lesser price. So anything from accident coverage, to hospitalization, cancer policies, things like that. Um, make sure that you're getting the biggest bang for your buck, but don't take it all upon yourself. Allow an agency to shop that coverage for you, knowing this is what I can spend each month and this is what ultimately I want. Yeah. I think that those are good tips and pointers. And I think also for, you know, ask your, your, your the HR benefits people at your, uh, at, at the, the healthcare organization where you're working, because I know a lot of nurses can find this very confusing. In fact, a lot of Americans find this very confusing. Um, but that is really a resource that is available to you. And um, don't be scared to ask questions. We'll be back with the conversation in just a second. There's a wonderful opportunity for you. Kinetics USA is currently recruiting registered nurses from all over the world to work in healthcare facilities here in the USA. If you are interested, please apply at kineticsusa.com slash application. That's kineticsusa.com forward slash application. On with the show. Okay, we're going to move to the growth and the stability stage. So, Adina, do you want to maybe take us through this, this slide? Absolutely. Um, so this comes from an approach to budgeting that it, it's similar to the zero-based budget um, that was mentioned earlier. It, it's called the 50-30-20 rule, and it's about um, giving a certain percentage of your budget to different things. So 50% to fixed costs like expenses, 30% to flex costs um, like things for entertainment, things that you have fun, you know, and then 20% for goals. So I want to talk about the goals section. Um, this can be hard when you're first arriving to put anything toward goals. You know, if you can um, start putting some toward emergency fund, that's a great first goal to start with. And then as you're moving into that more, you know, growth stability stage and you have um, your job set up and all that you have a paycheck you can start thinking about financial goals that are going to help you build wealth so not just stability but wealth so things like investing in the stock market and investing you know for your retirement it's really hard in the united states to afford the cost of retirement 
um, without investing in the stock market. And it's really hard to build wealth without investing in the stock market. You can also have goals like um, paying off any debt you have, you know, sending money home to family, saving for education costs for you or your children. So in this slide, um, what I want to really emphasize is to get clear on what those goals are. Um, most of us have a hundred financial goals. We want to go on a trip and we want to buy this and we want to invest and we want to, you know, start a side business and all these things. It's really hard to move forward in your goals if you have too many. So my number one suggestion is to narrow it down to your top two to three to focus on and then start thinking about the timeline of when you want to reach them. So let's say you want to have a fully funded emergency fund in one year then you can work backward from one year and say, okay, well, what does that mean that I need to save each month to hit that goal, right? And then the other piece of this is paying yourself first. So when you get your paycheck every month, um, automatically putting that money toward your goals first before you start spending on things, before you start giving money to other people. Um, you know, if you wait till the end of the month, there's usually not anything left over for your goals. So that's why you want to do it in the beginning of the month, pay yourself first. And it feels really good because you know, your goals are moving forward every month when you do that. And then anything left over, you don't have to feel guilty about spending, you know, you can enjoy your hard earned money. Okay. So thank you for sharing that. And I think really interesting, Adina, that you brought up that, that 50, 30, 20, rule okay so let's break that down a little bit and talk about that a little bit more detail so when you say 50 percent is for fixed can you share with us what what does that mean specifically yeah and i just want to say that you know that rule it's a guide the, the exact percentages are going to be different for everyone and only you know best you know what percentages you want and what makes sense in your circumstances but it is a guide so that 50 percent is those fixed costs so that's all of the expenses you have every month that you need to survive. So not the extra stuff, but like somewhere to live, your your basic grocery costs, you know, not the extra food costs of going out to restaurants or um, buying extra things to cook a fancy meal, just like the basics of what you need, um, your, your your utilities, your phone bill, and, and having clarity on what that number is in your fixed costs every month allows you to then plan to not only make sure you're able to afford those every month and don't have to go into debt for those things, but that you can also make room um, to have leftover for the other categories. Okay, so 50% on the fixed costs. And Job, I know you've been here for four years already. How are you doing in your growth, your stability and growth phase? And are you, have you been able to follow that 50, 30, 20 rule? So that is a wonderful slide, Adina. I, I love that. I really love that. So talking about the 50% um, fixed cost, on my first three years in the in Missoula, Montana, I was able to bring that down. For example, um, rent is a fixed cost and the car payment is a fixed cost. So I had a roommate and I was able to split my rent. So I was able to cut that 50% my cost for my apartment. And I didn't have to pay for a car. So I was able to save that. So on your example, the 50-30-20 rule, I was able to um, boost up my um, contribution to my goals. So on my part, it was a different for me because for my goals, I spend like close to 
Yeah, so I, that's awesome. And on your slide, you talked about um, the power of you know um, the stock market and building wealth. So I was able to invest in that and you know put our money to work because uh, mm -hmm. compounding interest is really a great magic that at the end of like 50 or 60, I mean, on our 50s and 60s, we'll be able to build great wealth on that. So that's what, that's what I was able to do in my first three years in Missoula. That's a great example of how you can lower your fixed costs so that you have more room for your goals. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. And so, so, and then you're going to be your, your rock star, right, Joe? Yes. <laughs> We're getting there now. <laughs> um, Blair, can you talk maybe a little bit about that paying yourself first in terms of your goals? Absolutely. Um, so your, your priority of budgeting is to save and live within your means. So again, fixed variables or fixed expenses or your mortgage, rent, um, insurance, childcare, which is a huge one. Um, a lot of people don't talk about that, but childcare is a big one. Um, and then your loan payments and then your variables are, you know, your food, your gas, uh, sometimes utilities and entertainment. But before you take care of the options, you know, find out what's a necessity and what's a want. So identify your needs and wants, pay exactly what you need for your food, shelter, uh, water, living, basic expenses, and then put into your goals. So prioritize your goals before you prioritize your um, your wants and all of the extra. Um, so make sure you're paying your rent, make sure you're paying your car payment, um, your childcare, everything like that. And then evaluate what you have left over and put them into your savings goals, whether it's into a retirement account, whether it's into a just basic savings account. For me, um, I pour into my savings account and I pour into my children's savings accounts. I have a two and a five year old. Um, and then any money that's left over, I'll, you know, allocate that towards entertainment or um, extracurricular activities or things like that that aren't a necessity to live. Um, so I try to think of what I need now and what I need in the future. And what's ever left over is a little bit extra. Okay, great advice. So um, I think that that, that uh, goal section is really important. Last question I think for the panel is how much is ideal to have in an emergency fund? Because if you listen to all of the financial gurus, they all talk about an emergency fund. You need to have a certain amount of money in an emergency fund. What is that a number? Ideally, um, you want a base emergency fund of $1,000. Realistically, I'm sorry. Ideally, you want to have enough um, to pay your expenses for about a three-month time span. So if something were to happen, um, you would want 90 days of monetary cushion to be able to make these payments um, and to be able to pull from as a resource. A lot of people think that their savings is their emergency fund, and it's it's actually not. It's separate. Your savings is for the future. Your emergency fund is just, in, just because. Um, a lot of people use their open lines of credit as emergency funds. You have to be able to pay that back. So you can't... Um, deplete your open line of credit and not have a way to pay that back. So make sure you allocate, you know, your line of credit, keep those open or at least below 30% usage, have mm -hmm. a savings account for future, and make sure you have an emergency expense account, a minimum of a thousand dollars. But ideally um, you would want to have enough to pay all of your bills and expenses for um, 90 days. Yeah. Adina, do you, do you think that um, 90 days, 
is the is the goal. I'm just thinking of, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying, Blair, that that's kind of the minimum that you would want to have it for is for 90 days for those fixed costs. But I'm just thinking of um, like Susie Orman, um, who is a very famous financial guru here in the US. Um, and she always says that, you know, you, you really need even, I think I think she says about six to eight months of emergency funds. So I, I know that the, the three months is the minimum. Adina, yeah. can you clarify that for us? Yeah. I think it really depends on your risk tolerance mm -hmm. and, and the stability of your job and whether you have other streams of income. It's very personalized. Um, I tend to agree with Blair that, you know, definitely at least a thousand and then minimum three months um, emergency fund. You know, during the pandemic, a lot of people started shifting in the financial world to recommend a year because of, we saw how many people lost jobs and how much instability there was. Um, you know, I know in, in this field with nurses, there's a very high demand. So maybe that's not as much of a concern. You all would know better. Is that right? Yeah. So, I mean, personally, um, I think if you have three months and you're, you have income every month from your job and, and maybe if you can even protect yourself a little more with like a side hustle or help your kids or your spouse have a side hustle to have another income stream, at that point, you, there starts to be diminishing returns keeping too much in cash because cash loses value every day in a bank account due to inflation. It loses a rate at 3%. Um, so personally, I would rather be investing anything after that. I'm personally comfortable with about three months. You know, But again, it just really depends on your circumstances. If you have a job that's um, more at risk of being lost, you know, or if you have like major health issues for you or someone in your family, definitely would want more than that. Okay. And your your age has to factor into it. You know, somebody in their 20s is not going to have the same expenses and savings. So it's a very hard rule of thumb to say, you know, you need at least $10,000 in a savings because if somebody yeah. in their 20s, that may get them through a year. Um, somebody in their 50s, it may get them through a few months and the pandemic threw a huge curveball to everybody um thankfully a lot of people offered deferral options so people weren't having to dig so much into their emergency funds but my biggest thing and i've learned this tried and true and i'm knocking on 30's door next week but happy um, birthday blaine <laughs> it's keep, a little baby <laughs> yeah, keep your savings and your emergency funds Okay, that is a great tip because um, I think many people don't know that. I think let's finish off maybe by giving um, everybody just a chance just to kind of sum up your, your, your single best tip or pointer for nurses that are either in the arrival stage, the survival stage, or the stability and growth stage. Marie, let's start with you. Okay, now, uh, yeah, as a newbie here in the U.S., like me, um, just starting up, uh, one great advice, like everybody else is saying, you just have to live within your means and you have to know your priorities, like your needs and your wants. You really have to divide those two because it really matters and there's a really big difference between those two. And uh, once you know how to prioritize, uh, all else I think will will follow. You'll be... Uh, living within your means and um, always reward yourself at the end of the day, even how little it is because you're working hard and uh, don't forget to reward yourself. Small things matter. Yeah. That's it. 
Yeah, great. Thank, Thank you, you, Marie. That's fabulous advice. So live within your means and give yourself those little rewards every now and then because yeah. as Adina said, you, it's like going on a diet. If it's too stringent, it's going to be too difficult to follow. What about you, Joe? Uh, I would like to direct my message to those nurse, Filipino nurses who are still outside the U.S. and expecting to be here that uh, find your why. Find your why and hold on to it. Because when you arrive here in the U.S., it's not all about the milk and honey here on the first few years. So you, your faith will be shaken and your purpose will be questioned. But if you know your purpose and you have found your why, then you will be able to make it and make it big. That's so inspiring, Job. Thank you for saying that. Because I think just setting those expectations appropriately when you arrive here is, is really important. And those first few years are not going to be I mean, we, we hope for everybody that it's going to be as easy as possible, but there's a lot to learn and, a, and a, a lot of growth that happens in those first few years. So that's where I love the Lafora Talk Show because it's really nurses supporting nurses. And thank you to Marie and Joe for paying it forward for others who are not yet in the U.S. and are going to be learning and from the, the wonderful and inspiring stories that you've shared. So thank you for that. Blair and Adina, any final words? Um kind of what Job said, it's it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. So take every mile marker as a goal. Um, set goals for your savings, set goals for your budgeting, set goals for your lifestyle, um, but always remember to live within your means. And that's one of the biggest things with budgeting is it's really, really hard. Um, being that there's so many things that factor it, ignore those outside factors, ignore what other people are doing. If they seem to have it better, they might have credit card debt that you don't. So focus on what's best for you. One size does not fit all. Um, of course, reward yourself, like Marie said, but make sure that you're living within your means. And again, take advantage of the programs that were designed to help people in your situation. Wonderful. So the same message coming out, everybody. Live within your means. Give yourselves those little, little rewards and always think of what is a want and what is a need. That was a good one. Adina, final words. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, again, a budgeting, your budget is a source of empowerment. It's just a tool to help you be able to live the life you want and plan that and actually implement it to make it happen. And then think about the long term. So it's not just budgeting. You're not going to be able to build wealth from budgeting. It's about finding ways to build, build wealth like such as through investing in the stock stock market, I would really encourage y'all to have that in the back of your mind for once you have your feet on the ground, start investing as soon as possible, because that's the most important thing with investing is time in the market. It's not about how much inv you invest. You could invest $50 a month and it could end up being hundreds of thousands of dollars over a lifetime. Um, so make sure you have that in your financial plan. And I just wanted to share too, um, a free worksheet we have on budgeting in case it's helpful. It goes through that 50, 30, 20 rule in one document with some tips. And you can check that out at immigrantfinanceschool.com slash budgeting. Thank you so much, Adina. Those are really important words and, and advice. 
Um, I want to thank the panel for your time. This has been a fascinating topic. It's been so interesting to hear the, the viewpoints of Marie and Job and how different they are depending on how long you've been in the country. So that was really interesting. Thank you to Blair and Adina for sharing your expertise. We're really grateful. We know how busy you both are. So we're really grateful for you to share your expertise with everybody who is viewing the show. And I want to thank everybody again for joining us. Thank you so much. Bye-bye, everybody. Thanks for having me. Bye. If you enjoyed the episode, go ahead and hit the follow button on your podcast player and leave us a review. Kinetics USA is currently recruiting registered nurses from all over the world to work here in the USA. We offer direct hire, meaning you will be sponsored and hired directly by American healthcare facilities. If you're interested, please apply at kineticsusa.com application. That's kineticsusa.com forward slash application. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week for more incredible conversations.